right, we are continuing our series, Forgive and Forget, or Forgive and Don't Forget, and Don't Forget, We Don't Want to Forget, We Want to Forgive. How many know that title is confusing and this topic is really hard? This topic is really hard with forgiveness, and uh, before we go into that, I just want to say to all the campuses, kind of give them an update. We are back at the Apple Valley campus uh, recording, and the Apple Valley campus wants to send their greetings with a cheer or a clap or something like that. Yeah. As, uh, as Dorothy said in The Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And we want to say thank you to Celebration Church. Uh, what a beautiful thing that, yeah, they were amazing. Um, Celebration Church opened up their church, allowed us to have a Saturday night service, a Sunday early service. And then we got out of the building, and then they came into their church uh, service. And that was the body of Christ just looking good and uh, making Jesus look good and saying we can work together. And uh, we did something the world didn't think we could do, two churches in one location, uh, loving each other and building his kingdom. And so we thank God for that. And I just want to speak for just a moment to all the campuses. Um, A lot of our campuses start out portable, like Woodbury is in a a high school right now. Egan is in a temporary uh, building. So is our Edina campus. And uh, we start out portable, we start out temporary, and we believe that we want to set down roots in every community. We believe that a building can be a tool to reach more people. And uh, I just want to say this, that um, very specifically, Edina, you're next. I mean, seriously, you are in the campaign right now and your Kingdom Builder focus. Uh, I really want to just speak this over the church that you'll go beyond um, what you're even planning to raise because you're next. We need a bigger tool there uh, for us to use to reach more people and uh, be praying about your Kingdom Builders offering November 14th and 15th. Because God has something special, Uh, we filled that building, we have three services there, and we need to get a a bigger building, we need a permanent place in Edina, and let's be praying for God's favor. With that being said, Egan and Woodbury, it won't be long, I know you're portable, uh, (coughs) or temporary, and uh, it won't be long. Faribault, I believe we're going to do a remodel in the future. And you're like, oh, yay, amen. And uh, if you don't know it, the pews actually are caving in at Faribault, you know. I think that's because they run around on the pew. No, anyways. uh, uh, And then Minneapolis, I just want to say this. I don't know how we're going to get a building. Prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. But I thank God the church is in a bar. And uh, the Holy Spirit is right there on Hennepin Avenue. And, uh, but yeah. Amazing thing. And by the way, uh, that campus is running about 500 right there. Uh, so we're just so excited. We're one church, multiple locations. If I didn't mention your church, it's because you already have a building. And uh, <laughs> Minnetrista and Shakopee. Okay, so, but I just want to say this. I want us to do this here and at all of our campuses. Look around for an empty chair. And I just want to pray for those that are not yet here. Look for an empty chair around you. If you can, you can lay a hand on it. Um, and I just want this to be symbolic here and at all of our campuses. We want to fill the church. We didn't build a building just to leave it empty. We'll start multiple services. We'll preach it over and over again. With the beauty of technology, we're going to use uh, video uh, preaching and services. But I want us to pray for just a moment here and at all of our campuses. Come on, let's fill our buildings. Let's invite people. Let's have a spirit of boldness on us. Let's, let's be able to invite our neighbor. Let's pray that we will have that prompting of the Holy Spirit, that people will come into the, the church and they will find faith in Jesus Christ. So Lord, we just pray. We see empty seats and we pray that we would fill them in the name of Jesus. We pray that we'd start more services and we'd fill them again and again and again. We'd start more campuses. Our vision is not just for eight. It's for 24 River Valley churches in the United States. And so we pray for those that are not yet here. 
We believe that we, we have been called to be an evangelistic church that will help people find Jesus as their Lord and Savior and let every empty chair not just be a buffer between us and somebody else, but a, a place where we'll realize we can bring another person. We can add another person. There's room for the next person. There's room for people far away from God to come into this church and find Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we thank you again for a new tool and for the campuses that we have, the buildings we will build in Jesus' name, and may every chair be filled, filled again and again and again for the glory of Jesus. We don't want to just be about the people that are here. We want to remember, here's to those not yet here. May that spirit be on us to reach the next one and the next one and the next one. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, 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 amen. If you notice, that was a four amen. That's really amen, all right. We're gonna look at something today way harder than filling a chair, though. Way harder. Forgiving people. Forgiving people. God calls us to forgive people, and that is a really hard thing. You need prayer to forgive. You need the power of Jesus Christ to be a forgiver. You really do. I can tell you this, that when I preached the first week of this series, I had people come up to me with tears in their eyes and saying, does this mean I have to forgive? And they'd say the person's name, and I was like, I don't know them, but you do. You know? And some people came up, and I will tell you this, some even came up with relief. Like, does this mean? I was like, yes. And you could almost see like they're like, oh, thank God that he'll remove this wound. This wound that's been festering. People say that time heals all wounds. Time heals all clean wounds. Dirty wounds that get infected and they become worse. And I could feel people saying, take this infection of unforgiveness out. And so we're going to look at forgiving people today. And T.D. Jake said this. He said, we think forgiveness is weakness, but it's absolutely not. It takes a very strong person to forgive. And it takes a very strong person to forgive. And I'm telling you what, that uh, all around us today, there's been some really good examples of forgiveness. Um, If you know, just recently, uh, the Ashley Madison uh, website had a leak And all of a sudden, all sorts of people were being leaked out to the world that they had an account on Ashley Madison and that they had pursued an adulterous affair. And there was a couple, uh, Sam and Nia, they are YouTube famous for their pregnancy announcement, and they're just kind of a YouTube uh, celebrity status, and if you don't know who they are, that's not important. But Sam uh, had an account with Ashley Madison, and he went on YouTube and said, hey, I had an account. I want to let you know that my wife has forgiven me. This happened before we were married, and yes, I was pursuing things that were ungodly, and God has forgiven me, and God has given me grace, and I'm not perfect, but I want to let you know my wife and I are working through this. What an example of like a whole bunch of hundreds of thousands of millions of people that got leaked out to the world. And if they're not pursuing forgiveness and reconciliation or repentance and all the things that go on, that leads to just a mess. Greater than that was the Charleston shooting. I mean, we were, it's not that long ago that the Charleston shooting where a man walked into a church and killed nine people that were having a Bible study. It's just, it was one of those things that was just so terrible that this guy would go in and kill nine people that were there to worship the Lord, there to study God's word um, in an off night and saying, God, we want to learn your word. And it was amazing as the families uh, of the victims were in the court and they came face to face with the killer. All of the families said, we forgive you. We forgive you. 
Uh, now, we forgive you. They said there's no room for hate. It still hurts. We still miss our loved one, but we forgive you. And, and CBS News is just uh, uh, amazed by this. They called this act of forgiveness in the courtroom one of the most extraordinary scenes ever in an American courtroom. They said it was one of the most amazing things. Like, how in the world could nine families or, of these victims go in and say, we forgive you. We ask that you repent. We ask that you give your life to Jesus. And, and, and the person that killed their family member sat there stone cold, did not really even move with any emotion, but they still pled with them, we forgive you, we ask you to turn to Jesus. There are people that were saying, let's burn this town down. Let's burn down Charleston. But the grace of God held Charleston together in a place that could have been just lit apart and just, just blown apart. The pastors that I talked to that were there were saying it was incredible, the forgiveness that was there. It was a God thing. It was absolutely something that God gave them in that moment that, that man could not have manufactured. And I'm telling you what, if you're going to forgive somebody that's hurt you, you, you can't manufacture that. God is going to have to do that through you. And there's a lot of people, and I, I look around the room here, and I'm sure it's the same at all of our campuses. I know people that have been cheated on. I know people that have been divorced. I know people that have been abandoned. I know people that have been abused. I've heard some of the stories. I've read some of the testimonies. And sometimes I, I weep when I read them. And I'm thinking, how in the world can a mom and dad be that mean? And yet I'm telling you, you have to find a place to get to forgiveness. You have to find the place to get to forgiveness. And God teaches us so clearly in his word by giving us a parable, by giving us a story for us to look at a story of, of Jesus and his disciples, and then a parable that goes along with it. In Matthew 18, very familiar passage. Matthew 18, verse 21. I'm gonna read a lengthy passage of scripture. It says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sinned against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 uh, times. 70 times seven. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to uh, settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And when he told their master everything that had happened, then the master called that servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. All right, now this is a major story. This is a major parable. And I want to let you know that whenever you read a parable in the Bible, you've got to understand it in the culture and the surprise of what's going on. We are so culturally removed from this parable that we read it, oh, a bag of gold and a bag of silver and this and that, okay. And we miss some of the subtle things that are in the scripture for us. And it's up to the pastor and up to you as you read in your devotion life and as you read your word uh, to dig in there and try to find out what's really going on. But I will tell you this. Parables always have a twist, and they always have a gotcha moment, all right? They always have a twist, and they always have a gotcha moment. Even if you and I don't see it, there's always, it's kind of like a good joke where it kind of pulls it on you, and you're like, wait, I didn't see that coming. 
That's what's going on in this parable, and I want to explain it to you. In this parable, Peter said, hey, like if, I, if I want to forgive somebody, I mean, do you think seven times is good? Is that, that's a good number, God. Like, Jesus, that's a really good number. Um, I want to say that I would be willing to forgive somebody that hurt me seven times. I would do that. And I'm sure he's looking for Jesus to go, well, way to go. Double, yeah, way to go. And then he's like, Peter, you're not even close. How many feel sorry for Peter sometimes? You know, like, he's like walking on water and then he's sinking like seven times. He's like, no, like 490. He's like, ah, I was way off, you know. Uh, but Peter was trying to say seven's a great number. God, that's a, that's a perfect number. Like seven, seven days of creation, seven years of Jubilee. And I do not have time to go on this. And I was so tempted to preach on this. But the seven years of Jubilee, that after somebody was an indentured servant for six years, in the seventh year you had to set them free, God was like, I want you to practice forgiving debt, forgiving people, and letting them go. And then he didn't let them go in the seventh year empty-handed. He's like, then you got to give them all sorts of blessings and do all sorts of good things to them. And if you want to study that later. It's in Deuteronomy 15. But God was giving his people like forgiveness training. And how many know this earth is like training school for forgiveness? All right. You better pass the test. It's easier to just give in. But seven was a great number. He's like seven, seven, seven. See, because Jewish people believed according to Amos chapter one. Again, if you want to read that later, Amos chapter one, verses three through 13, that God was always like, hey, three times I've forgiven you. Four times I judged you. Three times I forgave you, the fourth time I judge you. Three times I forgave you, the fourth time I judge you. So the people were kind of thinking like, God will give us forgiveness if we do the same thing three times, but the fourth time then we're in trouble. And so Peter's like, okay, I know that they were saying like three, and Jesus, you like always up it, so I'm going to seven, seven. I'm thinking that's a pretty good number. And Jesus like, no, you don't understand the heart of God. Jesus was just setting them up like he's saying God was just training you and letting you know that he wants to give forgiveness in the year of Jubilee Jubilee at year seven he was just trying to train you and trying to show you how amazing God is and how forgiving he is and that was just training and he gives the number 70 times 7 490 and he was really saying this it's unlimited it's never ending there's no counting He's saying, Peter, if you want to know how often you have to forgive people that hurt you, there's no counting. It's not possible. You can't get to the number. The Apostle Paul reinforced this in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, when he says, love keeps no record of wrongs. He says, love doesn't count. And in this parable that Jesus just goes to explain it, he's going to really give his disciples and the people listening an aha moment. He gives them a parable and he uses a Gentile king, which is really unusual for Jesus to talk about a Gentile king, but he does. He said there's this Gentile king and he's settling his accounts at the end of the year, which is what kings would do. They wanted their money. And so they'd want to get paid. So he's like, this king is settling his accounts. It's the end of the year. He's saying, pay up. And he says that this king is going to forgive a debt which would have shocked the people. They're like, wait, 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 wait. Kings don't forgive debts. Kings hold on to debt. That's what makes the king the king. He has the money. He gets the money from the people that owe him. So this is really throwing them. And Jesus uses the number 10,000 bags of gold. Why 10,000? He was using the number 10,000 because 10,000 was the biggest number in Greek culture. 
He was using the biggest number that they had, and he was using the biggest measurement of currency, the talent, and he was saying the most expensive measurement and the biggest number that you can think of that we can even use in our dealings. Jesus was saying it was an incredibly large debt, and if you've tried to figure it out, they've tried to figure out what it would be worth and how much this debt would be, it would be 150,000 years of labor, 150,000 years. Like nobody lives that long, okay? It's not possible. You couldn't pass that debt onto your family. It was just one of the 150,000 years of debt. And he's saying that he gets forgiven. And Jesus is trying to say like, this is amazing. If you're following this, that guy represents God and it's amazing what he forgives. And they would understand from Psalm 32, 1 and 2, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. I mean, they're just excited about this. And they're, this guy is like, I have been forgiven so much. And you can imagine the weight as he leaves there. And then the Bible says that he goes from there. And the translation that I read said, and he met a fellow servant. I want to let you know, the better translation for that word is slave. Slave, he met his fellow slave. Jesus is really trying to drive it home that the slave met a slave. And there's one king in the story and two slaves. Okay, and so he's saying the slave met a fellow slave that owed him some money. And the amount of money that he owed him was about $4,800. This guy has just been forgiven what some people estimate at 2.75 billion dollars. And this guy owes him 4,800. And this slave goes over to the other slave and says, I'm not gonna forgive you. I'm not gonna forgive you. I'm gonna throw you into the prison of unforgiveness. Think about that. The slave telling the slave, I'm going to throw you into the prison of unforgiveness. And I think Jesus uses slave, slave to really drive it home to you and I that I'm a slave and you're a slave. I stink and you stink. Okay? I may smell slightly better, but I still stink, okay? You may smell slightly better, but you still stink. You still need grace. Slave, slave. He's saying... You are so low, you are bad, you don't deserve anything, you are slaves in this, and the two slaves need to realize they're both slaves and love each other. And he says, the king, way higher, one king, two slaves, and he's saying, come on, forgive your fellow slaves. Come on, forgive them. Now he's still not at the punchline, he's still not at the aha moment. He really gets it to the end when he says, if you don't forgive your fellow slaves, God's not going to forgive you. And he's like, and you have to forgive them from your heart. You have to really forgive them. You can't kind of pretend to forgive them. You have to forgive them from your heart. And the people at that moment are like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I have to forgive them. Jesus is talking about forgiveness all the time in the Lord's Prayer. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
And if that's not clear enough, right after the Lord's Prayer, he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others the sins, their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. He said, I want you to forgive them. You gotta realize you're a fellow slave. You're like, yeah, but I'm better than them. I would never do what they did. But God's like, you don't understand. You still are a slave. You still are a sinner. You still needed grace. You stink too. You're like, well, I don't stink as bad. But he's like, you stink. We all stink. You're all smelly to God. And God's like, you've got to forgive one another. It's amazing. He's saying you gotta forgive He's saying, I love the way he's pointing out, he's like 10,000 to 100, never able to be paid back, able to be paid back. It's about a third of a year's wage. Possible, impossible. And he's like, you have been forgiven an impossible amount. You have to forgive the possible. You have to forgive the people around you. are like, but I can't understand. I would never forgive that. That's so bad what they did to me. And he's like, you have to do this. And here's, if you forget everything else from this sermon, I want you to remember this one line. Forgiveness, if you receive it from God, you have to give it to others. Forgiveness, if you receive it from God, you have to give it to others. God's saying, you don't understand. If you call on my name, if you call on the name of Jesus to be saved, and you've been forgiven of all your sins, and you've got the unpayable debt, you have to give it to other people. You don't have a choice. If you want this, you have to give this. It's a package deal. And we're like, man, do I have to? I have to. Yes, you do. You have to say, uh, I'm not going to hold on to this. It's, it's not mine to change. It's not mine to avenge. I forgive this person. I forgive this person, and I release them to God. And I will tell you this, and I've shared it before, and I'm sure there's another message on forgiveness that I've shared this, but it bothered me when I had to forgive people that did things to me that were bad. And I thought that if I said, God, I forgive them, that he's like, okay, then I won't hold it against them. But... I realize that God's like, no, I still hold it against, I want to work on them, but you don't hold it against them, and now you get to live free, now I get to work on them. And then honestly, seriously, the way my mind went was like, oh, this is awesome. I could never get them as bad as God could get them, you know, so <laughs> that's how I thought, you know. <laughs> All right, and I'm like, Lord, I forgive them. Get them, yeah, get them, get them good. You can't do that. You cannot live in God, get them forgiveness. You can't do that. That's why I said you have to forgive them from your heart. And this is when you really forgive someone. You're like, God, I release them. And instead of saying, God, get them, you say, God, grace them. God, don't get them, grace them. Get them in on grace. Get them to repent of that. Get them in on grace. Get them into heaven. Get them in, get them in, get them in. Let them find grace. Let them find forgiveness. God, I release them and I don't want to hate them anymore. I don't want to be poisoned towards them anymore. I don't want you to get them. I want you to grace them. And you're like, oh my, that's why you need Jesus. That's why you need Jesus. That's why I needed the strength of God to do this. That's why you need it. You can't do it in your own strength. That's why it's so amazing. That's why CBS News said it's absolutely incredible. It's the most incredible thing done in a courtroom that people would actually say that they forgive the killer. That's an amazing thing. And God's like, if I can forgive you, you slaves have to forgive one another. The amazing thing about this parable and about God is this, that when I look at this parable, 
I realize that you and I have to be convinced to forgive. Okay, think about this. You and I have to be convinced. We have to hear it in a parable. We have to hear that Jesus like, don't keep track. We have to hear that Paul says, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. We have to hear the Lord's prayer. We have to have, hear Jesus say it again. We have to make up sayings like, you know, bitterness is like drinking poison and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and think it'll kill them and it'll kill you. You're like, all right, that's making a little bit of sense. All right, maybe I'll, maybe you're convincing me. I'm getting closer. I'm getting warmer. We have to do all sorts of things. We have to look at studies like the University of Tennessee and the University of Duke. They said that if you actually forgive somebody, you'll start to heal up. The Bible's true. And we're like, mm, maybe I'll forgive. We have to be convinced to forgive. We have to really like wrestle through this. And this is the amazing thing about the parable and about the story and really about the heart of God. Get this. You and I have to be convinced to forgive fellow slaves and God runs towards you with forgiveness. Think about that. He runs towards you. Read the word of God. Adam and Eve sin, and God is running towards them to forgive them. He's making the sacrifice for them. He's making the plan. As soon as they've sinned and, and, and gone against God, he's like, but I have a plan. I'm sending a savior. Devil, you may have done this, but you may have strike his heel, but he's going to crush you. There's a plan. I am running toward my people with forgiveness. They're turning their back on him, and he's running towards them. The prodigal son, the dad is running towards the son. If you get the picture, God is running towards us with forgiveness, and he's an aggressive forgiver, and we're just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe part four will convince me. Man, if not, I'll hold the grudge. Don't do it. See your heavenly father as an aggressive running toward you forgiver and say, God, I desire to be an aggressive forgiver. I desire that. Again, I, I, I just, for those of you that are wondering that I'm going through, I just, again, I know the stories. And I'm preaching a message on forgiveness and I see people around this room that have been hurt so deeply. And I know, again, it's at all the campuses you got to let it go. You've got to forgive from your heart. Not God get them, God grace them. Only God could do that. Only God could give you the strength to do that. Only God could give you that. And that's the God we serve. Here's an amazing thing about this. Um, God's asking us to forgive the people that we come in contact with. A limited number. You and I have a limited number of people we need to forgive. I mean, come on, you don't hate the whole world, do you? Yeah. The whole world didn't hurt you. But God says, forgive your parents, forgive your siblings, forgive your teacher, your boss, your neighbors. You add the list up. Maybe if you're exceptionally hurt, uh, it might be 100. Okay, I'll give you 200. Maybe a city, they mocked you, and okay. The amazing thing about this is God's like, I forgive the whole world. I forgive the people way far away from you that you will never come in. I forgive them. I forgive them. If they'll call upon the name of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that I've given can be received and they can be forgiven. God forgives the whole world and you and I have a limited number and he's just saying, that's the kind of God I am. I'm a loving God. I'm an aggressive, run toward you, forgiving God. That's the kind of God. And he's like, and if you want my forgiveness, if you want to receive it from me, you got to give it to others. If you want to receive it from the king, you got to give it to the fellow slaves. And 
God will give you the strength to do this. God will give you the ability to do this. Only God can. Only God can. And when you do that, God will help your wound to heal up. God will help you to live in that. You'll be more like God. It's like, it's got to be one of the highest virtues to forgive. It's got to be one of the highest virtues to forgive someone that has hurt you and to be like God and to say, I want to be a forgiver that runs towards people with forgiveness. This parable is saying it over and again, if you're going to receive it from God, you have to give it to others. You just have to. That's the way we'd live. That's the way the church will change this world. And that's the way we'll look like Jesus. So God, I pray that we would be the aggressive forgivers. I think about the thought of that, like even somebody running towards somebody that hurt them. And the person thinking, oh, no, 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 no. What are they going to do? And then saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. I don't hold it against you anymore. I forgive you. I've let it go. I've let God take care of it. And I've asked God to grace you. I've asked God to grace you. What a beautiful thing. I just see that in my mind over and over again. God gracing ex-spouses. God gracing abusers. God gracing criminals. God gracing people that have hurt us deeply. So Lord, we don't want to hold on to unforgiveness. We don't want to put people in that prison. And I just pray we wouldn't have to be convinced of this today, but we'd instead say, God, we desire to be like you, aggressive, running forward, forgiving people and giving it out to those people on this earth. Thank you that we receive it from you and can give it to others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.